The people who got rich in the gold rush were the companies in Seattle who were selling the picks and shovels. It was companies like Levi in San Francisco who were selling the denim clothing. Those were the companies that got incredibly wealthy servicing the miner community. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Baloo, and boy, do we have an exciting guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is one of the leading lights of the firmament of thought leaders. This man has helped some of the world's leading thought leaders put their intellectual property in the form of books and get it out there to make a difference for a grateful world. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one, the only, the legendary Brian Heathman. Welcome to the show, Brian. Well, thank you, Nikki. It's great to be on your show today. Man, it's great to have you on the show. Brother, you and I have gotten to know each other through our mutual friend, Chris Widener, who's been a multiple guest on this show. Chris is a good friend of mine, uh, and I actually do a little bit of writing for him on a website he's got out there. And you've helped publish some of my other friends. You know, you've helped publish some books from Todd Stottlemyre, and you've done uh, some publishing for some folks that have been heroes of mine growing up, folks like Tom Hopkins and Brian Tracy uh, and Zig Ziglar. And man, you, you're you're incredible. You're amazing. What you do is fantastic. And I'm just so grateful that you're here with us today. And you know, my listener, they're excited to get to know you too, because they're all entrepreneurs. They're looking to take their vision to another level. And here on this show, we stand for freedom, free expression, and free enterprise. And the people that listen to this show, they stand for those things too. And they want to learn from you, man. So tell us your backstory, brother. How'd you become the great Brian Heathman? <laughs> okay, that's that's pretty funny. Well, you know, I, I graduated from college. I was an economics major, and I had a unusual desire. And that desire was to work for a monopoly. Okay. So in my early career, I ended up working for three monopolies um, from Microsoft all the way down. Got a kind of a vision for what it looks like from an entrepreneurial standpoint to build something great and build something that's lasting. I started my first company as an independent entrepreneur during the dot-com era, you know, took a loan against my house went to the food bank to support my two kids, you know, trying to figure out how to make car payments and all that, which I'm sure that a lot of entrepreneurs can relate to, right? And then ended up selling that company for millions of dollars. It was a great, it was a kind of a great success story from rags to riches. Well, about 15 years ago, after selling that company, I went to a conference. And at that conference, there was a keynote speaker. And as luck would have it, I just happened to get paired up in a room. We were bunk mates at a at a summer camp with the keynote speaker. And that guy's name was none other than Chris Widener. Wow. So we're sitting there going through the weekend. He's the keynote speaker at the event. Um, it was actually a pivotal thing. My friends that were at that event, they still talk about Chris's 
uh, keynote uh, to this day because it was had a little edge to it. It was super interesting. Um, but Chris and I became friends after that. And then we decided to start a business. And the business that we decided to start was a publishing business. And that's where I am today. I'm the CEO of Made for Success at madeforsuccess.com. And we're a book publisher. And it all started with this weekend that I spent with Chris Widener. Well, one summer, Chris and I got together in my backyard and we made phone calls to the top 100 speakers in the world. And Chris, because he was, uh, you know, in the club and had relationships with a lot of these people, we had immediate success and we licensed their keynote speeches. And then some of my skill sets are in putting products together that sell millions of dollars worth of units. So we put a product together with 15 keynote speeches from John Maxwell, Brian Tracy, Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, and a host of other of uh, the Hall of Famers within the National Speakers Association and built a 15-pack of these audio CDs, walked it, walked it down to Costco's headquarters, and sold the sucker in. And uh, the way Costco works is that you have to take a lot of risk. You've got to produce a bunch of inventory um, and hope that it sells, right, after, after you pass some tests. Well, we passed the tests, and then for maybe three years, we were doing millions of dollars in um, sales, of these 15-pack collections that Chris and I built. It was an amazing success story. So anyway, that's how I got into the book publishing business. Man, that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. <laughs> yeah. So um, you got in the book publishing business. You got to rub shoulders with some of the most iconic thought leaders of our generation. And you got to partner up with them, learn from them, and, and make money with them. How cool is that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let me, well, let me tell you a story. So, um, so back when I first started this company, there was a, uh, a seminar, uh, program called the get motivated seminars and they would go from big city to big city and fill up, uh, arenas and stadiums with tens of thousands of people. And then they would bring in speakers like Brian Tracy and Colin Powell and Goldie Hawn and uh, George W. Bush and and uh, Tom Tom Hopkins and you know just a host of the who's who in the speaking business. Well, at that time I was doing business with Zig Ziglar and Brian Tracy, and so they came to Seattle, and I live in Seattle, so I went to um, the first stadium. And was back in the green room and I'm rubbing shoulders literally with Goldie Hawn and Colin Powell. And I had a meeting with Brian Tracy and Brian said, Hey, why don't you hop in my limo and we're going to drive across town to the next venue where I'm doing a live event. So we sit down in the, sit down in the back seat of a limo and we're driving for maybe 40 minutes across, uh, across town in Seattle. And, uh, you know, Brian Tracy and I are just shooting the breeze about, business, about life, about books, about thought leadership. Um, and here's one thing that he shared with me that was kind of interesting. So, and this is just one random, you know, encounter with some of these people that I, I happen to traffic with. It's a, Nikki, it's kind of, it's a bizarre job that I do. Um, but he said, the day I stop marketing my business, 
is the day that my business will drop off by 50%. So he had the mindset as a thought leader to always be in motion marketing, right? That was where, that was his superpower. And that was one of the, one of the reasons for his success. The other thing that he shared with me was kind of interesting. He said, you know, one thing, Brian, that I would advise you on is, you know, he goes, I was a product of the 70s and the 80s. And, you know, people like myself and Tom Hopkins, we were trying to grow our businesses fast. And we, you know, grew our businesses up to, you know, hundreds of staff members, you know, in the speaking business. And he said, one thing that I would share with you is that he goes, today, um, I will work 23 days of every month speaking, writing, making royalties, doing the whole thing to pay my staff. And then for the remaining seven days of that month, I'm working for myself. So if there's anything that you can do to figure out how to run your business in a more virtual environment where you're not heavied up on staff, he goes, that's where it's at. And, you know, Nikki, that was one of those things that stuck. So when I set out to build Made for Success, we've, you know, we're, we're a team of five employees, right? Five full-time employees, 30 contractors, and then two huge distributors. And these huge distributors help me keep my staff down, right? But still have a massive global footprint for selling books. We've got, uh, I've got access to a hundred salespeople that are out selling books on my behalf. We have five warehouses that we ship our books to all across North America. And I've got print-on-demand facilities in Brazil and Australia and in London, right? So that distribution relationship for the physical book thing are, are, were inspired by that limo ride with Brian Tracy. Kind of, kind of fun, fun stuff when you stop and think about it. Man, that's awesome. I love it. Brian Tracy is, you know, one of my thought leadership heroes. I've been studying his work for years and years. I, I've seen him in live events. I've read his books. Uh, Eat That Frog is one of the, the the best books in the success genre ever. And uh, I've also watched a lot of his talks on YouTube and other formats. The man knows what he's talking about. And Honestly, when it comes to thought leadership, that's been one of the things that we tell people is, look, you want to create for yourself a practice that relies on maybe one, two staff at the most, right? And the rest of it is basically you doing the work of think, sell, deliver, right? Think, think, think the good ideas that help people sell, sell those ideas and then go deliver on uh, what you've sold, basically. Here's another kind of unique side story that I'll share with you, Nikki, that's, that's sort of interesting for people that are thinking about thought leadership. I've done work with three mega thought leaders who have actually hired me to help figure out the transition of their business. So I did this work with Ziegler, with Tom Hopkins, and not on a paid basis, but to a degree, I've done a fair bit of this work with Harvey McKay. The interesting thing about this is that these are all thought leaders who are very successful in their time with the tools that they had uh, accessible to them. Now, you know, they're not obviously TikTok stars or Instagram sensations or YouTube influencers, but back in their day, they were, you know, top of the pyramid keynote speakers, right? And that's back when 
you know, millions of people per year would fill arenas to go listen to keynote speakers. Well, you know, the thought leadership game has changed quite a bit. Big you time. Know, today, it is about TikTok. It is about Instagram. It's about the things that we can do on Facebook. It's about our, you know, how we leverage the tools on, um, on platforms like uh, LinkedIn. But, you know, kind of where my head is at today is in optimizing a book release on amazon.com. Here's the funny stat. So, you know, we're, we're a fairly large uh, book publisher with hundreds of books on the market, thousands of other products, you know, with all these audio products that we have on the market. And we are seeing today, get this, 70% of our revenues, and this, is, this, this uh, audio was recorded in 2021, okay? 70% of our revenues as a, as a mid-sized publisher in 2021 are coming solely from Amazon.com. Come on. That's crazy. right? It's crazy, right? So we did, a, we did a pivot this year, and we are publishing books that are optimized for Amazon. Now, what does that mean? Yeah, right? I was about to ask so, you that. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when you think about an Amazon release, um, you know, discoverability is everything. So there are about 24 million book titles on Amazon, and I'm, that's just books. I'm not talking about the tens of millions or hundreds of millions of other things like water skis and, uh, you know, uh, granola and refrigerators, all, all the things that you can buy on, on Amazon. So... How do you get discovered when somebody does a search? Well, we've done a we've done a, a study of that, and have created this uh, almost Amazon optimized publishing services to tap into that huge single source that's mired in a lot of data complexity, right? So I've got a whole team. You know, I mentioned those five employees. Well, you know. Two of those employees are data scientists, <laughs> and cool. their sole job is to work on within five different accounts on Amazon that we leverage to make book releases discovered. So that's the new world that we live in, right? Whole whole different whole different thing, you know, in terms of publishing books. And and you know, get you heard me say this earlier, you know, I've got a team of a hundred people who are out selling books and I've got five warehouses in the U S and I've got, and I've got a 20 person team out of, uh, out of the UK, but I'm still seeing 70% of my revenues come from Amazon. Now that, and that, what I mean by that is that's my physical book revenues, my ebook revenues and my audiobook revenues. Okay. So, um, it's a, it's just a whole new world that we're in. The rules are different. And, uh, uh, you know, like I mentioned, you know, real early, I kind of had an attraction to monopolies. Well, today, my biggest company is one of the biggest monopolies on the planet. Um, and knowing how to harness that is part of the key to success. You know, that's, that's very, very interesting. I got to tell you that you figured this out and you've put a lot of time and resources into it. Kudos for you, man. That's true thought leadership. I mean, thought leadership is about coming up with original ideas that solve acute problems. And that's definitely an original idea that solves an acute problem. So well done. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. So, so around Amazon though, um, yeah, there are companies that are starting to like figure out, you know what, Amazon, 
is, is so big that there's an opportunity for us to, to, to go up against them in certain ways. Um, you know, uh, for example, um, uh, Mike Lundell, who created MyPillow.com, is now launching MyStore.com. And, and part of uh, what he says he's doing with MyStore.com is he's going to go head-to-head with Amazon, not in the book space primarily, but in the product space, because he he feels that there's uh, an opportunity for uh, there to be com- Compet- competition to Amazon in the space of providing products. So I think Amazon is a near monopoly, absolutely. But I also think that uh, Amazon's going to have more and more people nipping at its heels because it's there's just such a huge market out there that folks are going to try and uh, and see if they can uh, go up against them in certain respects and take away parts of uh, the business from them. Well, you know, um, history serves as an interesting precedent for this. So like I mentioned, Nikki, I I live in Seattle. And one of the things that made Seattle a boom town back in the 1800s was the Alaska gold rush. So miners and prospectors were flooding out of California in the 1860s, where they were prospecting for gold in the Sierra Nevadas. And they were heading up to Alaska for the great Alaskan gold rush to strike it rich in in getting gold. And so they would take steamers up to Alaska. They would would hike through these perilous mountain passes during the summer months so they could get up to where the deposits of gold were found. They would lay their deposits and then they would get to work digging. And it was, you know, backbreaking work with picks and shovels. But um, here's here's the irony of it. The people who got rich in the gold rush were the companies in Seattle who were selling the picks and shovels. It was companies like Levi in San Francisco who were selling the denim clothing. Those were the companies that got incredibly wealthy servicing the miner community. Now, what does this have to do with Amazon? I know you were just about to ask me that, right? (laughs) But um, there's a whole host of companies that um, are surrounding the sphere of Amazon, who are also getting rich, because a lot of people like Made for Success know that you know there's a, a lot of uh, power and a lot of sophistication in optimizing products for sale on Amazon. Whether you're selling keychains um, or you're selling bottled water or you're selling books, right? So we use a whole host of um, people who are selling picks and shovels and Levi jeans that surround Amazon. Right. So, uh, you know, I'm right now in the process of making companies like, you know, KeywordTool.io or Celix or Helium 10 or um, uh, uh, Perpetua. You know, these are all the companies that we use in a day to day basis to create these Amazon optimized releases. And if anybody that's listening is doing business with Amazon, I would encourage you to write down some of those tools because they'll save you a ton of time and enable you to do some things that are far more uh, powerful than you can do on your own. So what are those tools again? Uh, Suval, KeywordTool.io, Celix, Helium 10, and Perpetua. Cool. Uh, or, or you could work with an aggregator like Made for Success who work with all those tools. You know, I've got data scientists who take care of all that 
uh, all that work, right? Um, and, uh, and, and make it easy as a service, right? So tons of people can figure all this out on their own. But a so lot of people someone's are busy got, running their business. If someone's got an existing book they've already got, do you work with those guys or do you just take books that you start from uh, start to finish? Okay. That's, that's a great question. All right. So, you know, the book business, you know, here in the U S it's a $43 billion business, right? Worldwide, it's $143 billion. So when people are making that much money in an industry, there's, there's rules and there are um, things that you have to do right. And I learned that lesson, Nikki, the hard way. Because when I wrote my first book, it's that's all about how to convert a website visitor into a paying customer. When I wrote that book, I was cocky over this big success, this multi-million dollar success building products and selling them through Costco and whatnot. And I decided to self-publish that book. Have you ever heard that saying, you don't know what you don't know? No, I've never heard that. Come on. Of course I have. <laughs> all right. So... I thought I was smart, and unfortunately, I didn't know what I didn't know, and I broke a bunch of rules. And as such, the average sales per month of that title are about five units a month because I broke the rules. I didn't know the rules that I was breaking, and the book is forever lost in obscurity. Nobody will ever read that book. The only way I could fix it would be to call it something else, release it under a new ISBN number, refresh the content by 25%, and then do it again. That's the only way I can fix it, right? Because once a book has been on the market and has not met with success, you, the, the, you can't really hit it with paddles and bring it back to life. It does require a relaunch. Now, I've done that just over the last six months or about uh, six books. People that self-published them uh, weren't satisfied with their sales, and they wanted to do it right. Uh, but it does it does take some heavy lifting. I'm not going to kid you. Right. And again, you know, there's you know, I'm competing with companies that do billions of dollars a year and have their own skyscrapers in Manhattan, right? So they're capturing the business. Don't don't kid yourself. They're selling lots of books. Um, the only way that we can compete with them, meaning our writers and made for success, is working together and, and, and playing the game by the rules. So it's, a, uh, it's an interesting beast. But yeah, yeah, we've resurrected six books over the last six months. Coolio, man. Coolio, coolio, coolio. Well, um, you put together a book with my good friend, uh, Todd Stottlemyre, uh, who came on the show to talk about it, The Observer. So um, why don't we take a couple minutes and just walk me through the process of how you got uh, this book up and running? It seems to be doing pretty well. Okay. Yeah. No, the book, the book was a, a uh, uh, off-the-charts um, success story. In fact, that book hit the Wall Street Journal bestseller list and was an Amazon bestseller. So very, very successful. 
and the um, and the author did really well. So here's the story of Todd Stottlemyre. He's a major league baseball player. He won three World Series for the Toronto Blue Jays um, and played for, I think, five teams, maybe maybe four teams, five teams throughout his 15 year career as a pitcher in the major in the major leagues. His dad. Um, Mel Stottlemyre was a famous New York Yankee back in the 60s, so he played with guys like Mickey Mantle. And when Todd was a kid, he he actually spent his time out on the field, literally with Mickey Mantle, you know, in the legends of the game, you know, learning things, you know, people, you know, telling him the ins and outs. But Todd, he had some real problems during his professional career. And if you follow his career, in fact, if you go to YouTube and pull up a Todd Stottlemyre video, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But one of Todd's challenges was controlling his emotions. He was a angry man. And he was angry uh, because when he was 10 years old, he did a, a bone marrow transfer, a bone marrow transfer for his older brother who was 14 who had leukemia and the brother died and Todd took that personally he felt that his um, bone marrow transplant killed his brother so he came out he started as a happy-go-lucky kid that's the way his mom described him and and he came out uh, uh, angry right but that anger fueled him through his uh, professional career so we met with Todd working on his second book called The Observer. His first book was called Relentless Success, which we published back in 2017. But Todd wanted to share his story of redemption, where he was able to channel his emotions into something positive through the professional performance coaches that his major league teams hired to help him get out of his head and, um, and, uh, and, and work with his explosive personality. So the observer, we met with Todd. We've got a, a program, a process that we call the draft a book experience. We sit down with the author and we spend two days with them. Today it's via Zoom. Back then it was in person. And um, we extract in two days the key ideas that will make up the table of contents in their book. And we figure out who the ideal reader is for that book. And this is all part of a rapid product development process that I learned working at Microsoft. So we take the ideas. Um, we then go offline for two weeks and we create a writing plan. And the writing plan that we hand back to the author after they do the draft a book experience um, is broken down into small 800 word pieces. It's the type of thing that, uh, Nikki, that you could get done in 90 days once I hand you this plan. Okay, so in Todd's case, um, took the 90 days, got the uh, manuscript written. Um, in this case, it's a parable. The Observer is a parable about a uh, about a hard charging CEO who's running a athletic company, uh, aka think of uh, Lululemon. That's kind of what we modeled it after. The the central character who's really Todd. Her name is Kat Von Slyke. <laughs> and she goes through all these crazy adventures. But all the crazy adventures were true stories about stuff that Todd used to do with his explosive personality. And when the central character in The Observer learned to listen to the voice of The Observer, um, she had 10 uh, experiences with The Observer. 
it transformed her life. And all of a sudden, she went from being a complete ass, hard-charging ass, you know, successful CEO, um, to somebody who was aspirational to be around. So that's the whole kind of kind of outline of the observer, and it's a great book. I would highly recommend it to anybody that's listening. Um, but the key is for anybody else that's thinking about writing a book, the whole draft a book experience is a turnkey way to work with a pro to create a writing plan for a book that's got bestseller potential. Because you know, don't get me wrong. My role, you know, I, I love working with people like Todd and, you know, Zig Ziglar and Tom Hopkins and, you know, all these type of folks. But at the end of the day, I've got to sell books. <laughs> when people come to Made for Success, they look me straight in the eye and say, hey, Brian, I'm counting on you to sell a truckload of books. So what are you going to do? And I say, OK, we're going to play by the rules. Um, we're going to do the things that make a book awesome. And um, we're going to take the time that's required to make it awesome. And we're going to get you a bestseller result. So that's kind of our, our whole charter is working with, you know, people who have big aspirations, who have great ideas, who may not have written a book before, maybe their first book, uh, but want to get it done right. I know. So it, 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 for you, doing the book this way is it, about doing it right. It helps people from a branding point of view, from positioning themselves as an authority, as a thought leader. And that's what you guys have specialized in for all this time. Well, yeah, yeah. And, you know, let's just talk about Todd. So Todd is raising a fund right now. He's raising $15 million to um, as bridge capital for a DNA testing um, lab network across the United States. Okay. So he needed this book to go Wall Street Journal bestseller as as a credibility piece for his fundraising. So when he sits down with heavy hitters in the finance world, and he introduces himself as a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, those doors fly open. They literally fly open. So um, he needed that result, right? And that's, that's one of the reasons why he loves working with us, because we're tuned to get the results that are going to help assertive entrepreneurs get to that next level. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Okay. So if people want to find out more about how they can uh, do this, how they can participate in your programs. What's the best way? You know, made for success is the best path. It'll show the, the four uh, paths into working with us where it's, whether it's writing that, that drafted book experience that I talked about, whether it's publishing, which is, Hey, I've already written my book and now I'm ready to make a big impact or if it's um, in marketing, book marketing. So we've got, a whole, we've got a whole team set aside that just does book marketing. So I would invite people to come in to uh, madeforsuccess.com, check out the things that are available there on the homepage, and, uh, and there's all kinds of opportunities to get started. Okay, so we'll make sure we put that in the show notes. That's fantastic. So, Brian, we'd like to end off each and every single one of our episodes by asking you, as our guest expert, what are your top three expert action steps that you recommend my listener take on in their life, in their business, so they can get to the next level faster? What do you say? Okay, pretty straightforward. So, one thing that I learned, you know, we've been in the midst of 
COVID for the last 12 months I in noticed. the United States <laughs> and worldwide. Yeah, 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 yeah. And everybody's kind of on their heels with that. And so a lot of us, including myself, were working from home, right? Uh, I learned a lesson early in my career to set a routine and create office hours, even when I'm working at home. So from eight to five every day at a minimum, I'm at my computer. And, you know, there's tons of distractions. I've got a dog. I've got laundry to do. I've got dishes piling up in the sink, just like all the rest of us do, right? Um, But I keep that window pure to my work, and I don't let those distractions of home uh, creep into my workday. That that probably right now is one of the most essential things for all of us as we're, you know, all of us high achievers that are looking to make a difference, um, not getting distracted by the small stuff and staying true to, um, you know, to the things that we need to do. In fact, it was kind of funny. I was having a, a discussion with a, with a guy in his 20s on my team and we were walking around my yard and I was talking about a couple of trees that needed to get removed in the yard because they died and they needed to get cut down. And he goes, well, it's going to be nice this week. Let's get out on Wednesday afternoon and chop them down. And I said, no, 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 no. Those tasks are for the weekend, right? Um, because we're not going to take prime work hours when we could be on the phone, when we could be on Zoom calls, when we could be building our spreadsheets, when we can be writing our standard operating procedures. We're not going to use that time time to chop down trees. There's a time to chop down trees, but it's not during the work hour. So you asked for three things. That was a long explanation on one thing is to stay disciplined to, to the work hours of while we're in this work from home situation. And Nikki, I don't think this is going to end, you know, anytime soon. I think we're going to be doing this for a while. So I think it's important for that ambitious entrepreneur working from house, working from the house, not to get distracted by uh, um, home life. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there you have it. You asked for three, but I gave you a nugget. A nugget. <laughs> All right, man. Awesome. Okay, so listener, Brian Heathman has given you some gold. Check out his website, made for success. Com. Check out all the things that he offers. I think they're absolutely fantastic and can be very helpful to you. Listen, if you've enjoyed this episode, okay, just do me a favor. Share it with a friend. Share it with someone else who can benefit from this. If you if you didn't like it, then don't share it. But I'm sure you liked it. I'm sure you got some value from it. Share it with a friend. Share it with somebody who could use it today. There could be somebody who's feeling down. And the positivity and the energy that we bring to these shows and the advice that Brian's given could absolutely lift their mood, take them from tragic to magic in a single day. So just make sure that you do that. And do us a favor. We're trying to spread the word to help spread this movement of freedom, free expression, and free enterprise. And for us to be able to do that, we need your help. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, and make sure that you speak the truth, speak authentically, because when you do this, you're going to help us spread the movement, spread the good word. We're going to be able to reach more people, help more people, and help spread the gospel of freedom, free expression, and free enterprise all the way to Santa Fe, as they say. So make sure that you do that. Brian Heathman, man, thank you so much for being on the show with us today, brother. Really great to have you on. You're awesome. Nikki, I, I enjoyed the conversation immensely. Thanks for having me on your show. 
Oh, man, it's my pleasure. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's amazing guest, the one and only Brian Heathman, go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com, check out the show notes, okay, or go to wherever you listen to podcasts like iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. Check out the show notes there. All the information is going to be there. And remember, spread the good word, share the episode with somebody, leave us a rating, leave us a review. And if you need any further help with what you're up to, go to our main website, eCircleAcademy.com. There's tons of free resources there for you as a thought leader that'll help you start thinking about how to take your business to the next level and, and really how to take where you're at from tragic to magic. They're all absolutely free. Go take advantage of them, okay? Awesomeness. Until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. 